You only have one life to live, so get the most out of it. On Good Life, Great Life, join me, Brian Highfield, and my guests as we share success stories, habits, mindsets, and lessons learned by successful people. These lessons are not taught in schools, but are critical for getting ahead in life. Whether you want a successful business or career, optimal health, or a lifestyle that most people just dream of, Good Life, Great Life has you covered. After retiring from a successful corporate career in my 40s, I founded multi-million dollar businesses in the sports and healthcare arenas. Now, I help everyday people maximize their lives and speak regularly at seminars, on podcasts, and radio shows to share principles on the topics of health, wealth, and happiness. Don't let a good life get in the way of a great life. Join me today on Good Life, Great Life. Well, welcome to another another episode of Good Life, Great Life. And I have with us today, Dr. Sue Sandu. Welcome to the program, Sue. Thank you, Brian. Great Sue, to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to have you. And, and so Sue is the managing director, and she's also the founder of Sky Blue Healthcare Associates. And so we want to welcome you to the program. But my first question for you is, can you give our audience a little bit, uh, tell them a little bit about your background and what led you up to founding Sky Blue Healthcare? Yeah, sure. So I am actually a scientist by training, but I think business has always been in my blood because my family were in business. So my parents had a manufacturing business in the textile industry. So very different to what I do. But I think the key skills that you learn um, for to run a successful business are transferable regardless of the industry you're in. And I'm actually the youngest of five. And my elder siblings also went on to run their own businesses, having retail outlets. And my brother was a market trader for many years. And growing up, you know, we'd all muck in. So we'd all um, do different aspects of the business, however small. And I think you just absorb, you know, a lot of the mm-hmm. um, skills that are needed. But as I, as I said, I'm actually a scientist by training. So, you know, as I was growing up, I went down the academic route. I did a degree um, in, in chemistry and then I went on to do a PhD and that was in a cancer treatment. So it was still in the scientific field. And I really enjoyed sort of bringing, discovering new things, bringing innovation um, pushing the boundaries and, and doing research in science as well. But while I was doing my PhD, I actually started a little bit of a property business. So it was me. So, and so you're bitten by the entrepreneur bug there with a the property business. Yeah. And it was it was a bit of a hobby in a way. Uh-huh. So it was me and a friend. And we thought there was a university that was setting up in a town just outside of London where we were. And we thought, oh, why don't we buy cheap properties, do them up, you know, and rent them out? And don't ask me how I managed to get funding <laughs> and, you know, buy to let mortgages when I was heavily in student debt. But it just shows, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So you don't have to have money to start a business. You know, you can do it. If you've got the right business plan in place, you can always find investment and people to back you. But I did that when I was doing my PhD. And at the end of all of that, 
I went to work for Procter & Gamble because I wanted to combine my love of science with my love of business. And that really sort of marries the two together because what you're doing, you're developing products, obviously it's innovation, and you're understanding what's needed in the market. So what are the problems that consumers have? And then you're translating that into what products could help me resolve those problems. And you need to use your scientific knowledge to translate into, right, how do we develop those in the lab? And I can totally relate with this because in my past life, I was an engineer, um, but I also understood business. And I found that a lot of the uh, software and the, and the IT people did not understand business and the business didn't understand IT. And I think you framed it up perfectly. You're kind of an interpreter so that you can communicate between the two groups. Yeah, exactly. And I really enjoyed doing that. And I think, you know, it was a really good skill set to develop. And it, it married like my two passions in a way. Um, so after P&G, I then went into pharma because I, I think healthcare was closer to my heart. As I said, my PhD was on a cancer treatment. Um, and I wanted to work in the healthcare space. But really, I was just transferring those skills again, because instead of using science and marrying it with business to make innovation, you know, innovative consumer products, you're developing medicines to help patients, you know, within healthcare. So um, during that time in the pharmaceutical industry, I worked more in the business insights and analytics department. And I sort of set up a team within um, one of the pharma companies that I worked at. And what you're doing there is you're using your analytical abilities, you know, I'm sure, as you, as you know, to help to resolve or to help to make well-informed business decisions. And many years ago, when I started in pharma, business insights and analytics was underdeveloped and probably undervalued. So I did a lot of work to help to raise the profile. So both within the companies, but also externally with professional bodies to raise the profile of this you know, aspect of business and to help to develop a career pathway because it used to be a sort of department where people would come in for a six month training and then move into other roles. But there were a lot of people that enjoyed business insight and analytics and wanted to stay there, but because there was not really a career pathway for them, they'd sort of, have, sort of be pushed to move into other areas. So I did a lot of work on that. And then I was on the, one of my last roles was on the board of directors at a pharma company. And what that helped me to do with that experience was to see that there was a gap in the market. And that's how my idea for Sky Blue Healthcare Associates was born because what we provide is business insights and analytics consultancy services to the pharmaceutical industry. So we're building a hub of experts, but instead of within the pharma companies, you know, obviously externally, so that any pharma or bio pharmaceutical company can tap into our expertise as and when they need. So it's a really flexible resource for them. So you left the relative safety of the corporate world that you're in to, to start up your, your idea. Um, and I guess, talk a little bit about that. It was, I'm sure there's a lot of fear involved and a lot of uncertainty, but um, you did it anyway. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I was fortunate in a way 
because the um, company I was working for was taken over um, by another pharma company, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And I had quite a lot of time to decide. I had almost a year to decide whether I was going to stay or whether I was going to take a package and go. And before the year was up, I took the package. And before I decided what I was going to do, I kind of put the feelers out there to see, okay, so I've got this idea. Um, I, I spoke to people who weren't in the industry because, you know, you speak to like careers advisors and things, and a lot of them said, oh, if no one's ever done it before, then there's a reason for that. No, it's not likely to work. And I kind of ignored all that. Um, and I spoke to some really well-meaning friends who had their own businesses who told me how tough it was. So I didn't have all positive feedback. But equally, I put the feelers out to people who um, I'd worked with, so my own network, and asked them, you know, that I'm thinking of doing this, you know, what do you think? And I got quite a lot of um, feedback coming back to say, oh, yeah, you know, we'd be interested that we've got this project that we'd be interested in you working on, or we, you know, so I knew that the demand was there. So I kind of had a little bit of a, you know, two safety nets. One was that I'd obviously taken, you know, a, a redundancy package. And the other was that I had done a bit of research, you know, being in business insights, it's um, you know, what we do. So I did a bit of research before I took the plunge. And I knew that there was this gap in the market because I'd been there. And I think that was kind of one of my uh, sort of big advantages that I had is that I'd been at the coalface. I knew what was needed. I understood how the, d these departments worked within big pharma. And I think also being an entrepreneur or setting up your own business, it's more about mindset than skills. So it is about breaking your limiting beliefs and, and, you know, fulfilling your potential. So I think a part of me throughout life, yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, because yeah. you've got to, you know, and I firmly believe that you've got to, to grow, you've got to get out of that comfort zone. And it's so easy to be, stay comfortable, but, you know, life's not fun and you, you don't necessarily, if you're not challenging yourself, you're not growing. That's right. So you did you did your market research and people said, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. And we'd be interested. And talk about some of the challenges of getting started. I mean, did was your phone ringing off the hook and people were hiring you left and right? Or did you have to build up that clientele? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was a bit like the phone off the hook. So I um, started out just me. Uh -huh. right, which is, I think, how a lot of people start a business. I'm learning now. So I've been running this business for 10 years now. Wow. I've, I've got a lot of experience and, and sort of feedback from other people that have been doing sort of similar things. And what happened was I, I sort of call myself a bit of an accidental entrepreneur because, <laughs> because you're yeah, a bit like that property business, which I've still got a property business now as well. You know, the same with Sky Blue Healthcare Associates as I started off on my own, but found that I was getting more work than I could handle. So I started bringing in extra resource um, and subcontracting work. And then, you know, after a few years, of doing that you know so it's it was very successful I thought okay let's you know think about this that we're getting the work the demand is out there let's 
grow this business now and let's turn it into something that's a bit more standalone and less reliant on me. Yeah. So, um, so you had to hire staff. So, I mean, that's a good problem, right? Your phone's ringing off the hook, people you're in demand. And so you had to go out and hire staff. What other challenges kind of cropped up in your business that you really had to, had to overcome? Yeah, I think, I think there's a few. <laughs> so first of all, I think it's um, being able to delegate. Mm. Because when you start out, you know, a lot of the work I got was, um, people that knew me or recommendations and you know it's a big risk obviously bringing people in because your reputation is at stake so you've got to make sure that you're bringing in the right people and that they have the same values as you and they share your vision of where you're trying to go with the company so that they're delivering the uh, at the standard that you, you know, need them to be delivering. And I think that takes time and it's sort of baby steps. You know, I've done it slowly, let's say, rather than trying to grow very quickly because I want to make sure that we maintain our standards at all times. So I think one is the sort of delegating. And I think to grow a business, you really do have to get out of that day-to-day running of the, the operations so that you've got that headspace in a way to be more strategic and to think about, right, how do I grow the business? And then on growing the business, I think, you know, as I said, when I started, it was more people that knew me, word of mouth. When you're scaling up a business, obviously you can't rely on one person to be bringing in all all the business. And so it's really thinking of having a, a funnel, a sales funnel, thinking about how to bring in clients at a faster rate than just you know doing it on your own again trying to so trying to take yourself out of being you know the pivotal kind of person in the business and then the third thing and I think this is just something we've touched on a little bit is this discipline in getting uncomfortable which is really <laughs> yeah yeah because you know you can get to a certain level of success and then stay there because it's really nice and comfortable and you know we know that that comfort zone gives us the current results that gives us our current reality but if we want to then go to the next level we've got to get into that habit you're into a discipline of taking action of kind of pushing yourself into growth rather than sitting back you know into safety and I think that is a discipline that you have to develop especially when you're working for yourself because there's nobody else really there who's pushing you and you know there'll be plenty of people telling you oh yeah yeah, you're doing really well doing really well and you know they they mean well and you're kind of trying to get to the next level or thinking okay what what else is there in the marketplace you know you've got to make sure you're staying relevant staying on top of the trends and you know often that does mean that you have to be courageous and just you know, step into the unknown. Absolutely. I, I think those are three big significant points you brought up. I mean, the first one talking about delegating, it's hard to do, especially if you're a one man band or, you know, one person operation and you know better than anybody else to entrust yeah. someone else to that. And uh, I was at a retreat over the weekend and someone said, well, if someone can do it at 
at 80% the level you can, then delegate it to them. If you know, there may not be perfect, but if they're 80% accurate, then, then delegate it, delegate it to them. Is that, you think that's accurate? Yeah, I think so. And also, um, you know, play to people's skill sets. Uh You know, I've got a fantastic team of consultants and there's plenty of things that they will, you know, be able to do much better than I can do. Yeah. You know, (laughs) don't sort of overestimate your own ability or underestimate someone else's. So I think that's that's one that's the flip side, right? Yeah, because someone can yeah. actually be better at it than, than you are. Yeah, and I think, don't, you know, not to be wedded to your own way of doing it, mm. but you've got to be open-minded. There's always a better way of doing something. And I think the other thing is that I hadn't even, you know, hadn't really thought about this, I suppose, previously, is having some really robust processes in place. Mm. And I've got a really good business operations director in place now who... Um, you know, rather than me you know, having everything in my head and then trying to explain to somebody else how to do it, it's, you know, it's more about getting a really good onboarding process, a really good system of SOPs, which you don't really need when you start out. It's not like the first thing that you're going to do because you're trying to sort of test the water to see if this is a, a robust and successful, you know, business and you are like meeting a need. But you, when you get to a certain point, I think it's important to have a lot of your processes and systems mapped out and not necessarily to do all of that yourself. If it's not, you know, something that personally, it's not something I enjoy doing, you know, it's not my skill set. Um, so that's why I've got a biz ops director so I can focus more on the strategy. That's great. And, and, and so you talked about, you know, getting rid of the day-to-day operations, uh, completely appreciate that. And then the discipline that, that's involved. So I think those are, those are definitely key points. Talk a little bit about, I guess, your, your lifestyle and how, how, you, how your work-life balance is different from being in the corporate world versus now. Is it worse? Is it better? Is it bad, but getting better? How, how's it, how's yeah. it working out for you? So I think it's better because you're your own boss and you can be flexible so when I was working in corporate I mean I, I loved it. all my roles I was very fortunate that I enjoyed everything that I did um, and, but sometimes you know we especially when I started out we'd be doing overnighters and yes and it was a different time of my life and I think it, you know I enjoyed it at that time but you know moving forward Having a family is not kind of the lifestyle that I want. I was away from home a lot, you know, at meetings um, and things, whereas now it's a lot more flexible. But for me, I think it's not about sort of the free time. I think sort of this whole work-life balance, for me, it's about like every aspect of my life. So I, you know, I think it's probably kind of, I'm very passionate about what I do. Yeah. And I think you've got to really know that what makes you come alive because we do spend a lot of our time working, you know, whether it's a job or whether it's your business. So you've got to think about what brings your life meaning, Um, not just, you know, working and then waiting for your day off or waiting for the weekend. So I think you've got to think about all aspects of your life and, you know, the most important asset 
that we've got is ourselves. So we've got to make sure that the most significant investment we make is also in ourselves. And I don't mean just financially, I mean thinking about you know, how we look after ourselves because it's difficult to sort of live a fantastic, like abundant life, let's say, if you're always tired or grumpy or you're overworked or if you're you know, always feeling unwell because you haven't kind of looked after yourself. So I think you've got to be sort of conscious about what you're doing throughout your day and what you're doing in your free time as well in terms of that consumption, not just food, but, you know, your social media and, you know, what TV you're watching. and Because what you consume sort of becomes how you feel. So for me, I think it's about trying to form good habits. And, you know, that comes by discipline. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I try to have a structure to my days, basically. And in that time, I try, you know, I build in time for rest, for play, for productivity. And I have morning and evening routines. I kind of bookend my days. And then during my working time, and it might not be the typical nine to five, because it depends what other things I've got that day, you know, which may be nothing to do with work. Um, but I try to sort of streamline my work so that when I am working, I'm productive. Um, and when I'm not working, I'm kind of try to be intentional, a little bit more mindful about how I'm going to spend that time. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's why we do it, right? And, and I like what you said that, you know, you find, uh, I forget what word you use, but you kind of find something that gives you, gives you purpose, gives you energy yeah. uh, to, to get out of bed in the morning, whether you're working a job or whether you're, you're an entrepreneur or, uh, doing what you do, you got to do something you love, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, sometimes we kind of wait to be happy. It's like, oh, mm. I, when I get to that goal, you know, that's going to make me happy. No, be happy now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because, you know, it's a choice. We make a choice. And if you're happy, it's contagious. And I think yeah. you just have that energy about you. And that sort of filters through to all aspects of your life and you've got to enjoy the journey. You know, it's not just about the destination. The oh yeah. I, I think it's, it's great advice. And I completely agree. We're almost out of time, but uh, before we go, I want uh, the audience to hear, um, you know, how they can possibly connect with you, learn more about sky blue healthcare or uh, just, just to get in touch with you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, you can look at our website, which is skybluehealthcare.com quite simply, or connect with me on LinkedIn, um, or you can e email directly to hello at skybluehealthcare.com. Awesome. Good stuff. So our guest today has been Dr. Sue Sandu. She is the founder and managing director of Sky Blue Healthcare Associates. Thank you so much, uh, Sue, for being with us today. This has been uh, just a joy talking to you today, and I wish we had more time. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you again. Thank you for listening to another episode of Good Life, Great Life, brought to you by Brian Highfield. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and stories. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.